0: No, the only advice, the best bit of advice I've ever got for Perry roubaix comes from Mark Walters and it is uh, always keep riding. So you're going ha- to come across something today, there's going to be something go wrong and um, try and keep keep the morale high and just keep going because there's always someone else who's had a puncture or had a bike change or so you can come back a lot in this race and keep believing, keep riding and you, it's not over until you get to the velodrome.
1: Welcome
2: to the Train Smarter, Race Faster podcast brought to you by Tribello Coaching where we are experts in helping triathletes and cyclists, uh, the age groupers, race and train better to race better. Uh, We are absolutely pumped for today's episode because we had a special guest on today, someone that is now a legend in Australian cycling and that is none other than Matt Heyman. We got to interview Matt Heyman today. Um... And it was, a, it was a really good interview. We were really um, pumped to, sp- to speak with him.
1: Yeah, we were, Jordan. And uh, some of the stuff that uh, he you'll get to hear um, is is um, gold. Uh, he really gave us an insight into how the Mitchelton-Scott uh, team are handling the coronavirus at the moment um, uh, and uh, the similarities to that for him when he prepared for Roubaix. Um, yeah, so he's got some really good insights uh, in how to physically and mento- mentally um, go about um, when things don't go well.
2: Yeah, and he provided some insight that was actually quite surprising that most people would be surprised at with how the pros are dealing with it and uh, we definitely enjoyed um, and appreciated that his advice was similar to um, the rhetoric that we've been thinking as well and how to tackle this period. But he really gives some, uh, what, you, like you said, gold insight into – um how hey, you should be thinking just um to be able to get through this um and stay you know mentally and physically healthy so we'll let you guys hear it because um it was great to talk to him about that stuff and to talk to him about roubaix
1: um, yeah and for those who who might not know his uh background um it's pretty important uh that we get that across to you just to uh, give you a little bit of a, a his- historical point of view of his cycling career um uh Principally, he's only one of two Australians to have ever won uh, Paris-Roubaix, uh, Stuart O'Grady and himself. Um, he's completed the most paris Roubaix. He's 16. got the record for the most, yeah. Um, he's a Commonwealth Games gold medalist on the road. Yeah. He actually got second place in the World Under-23 Time Trial mm. in 1996, so he can, <laughs> he can time trial. He did race on the track. Um, he preferred the road, obviously. Um, he's been uh, with three teams, Rabobank, Sky and Mitchelton-Scott. Um, he's been probably probably the most underrated uh, rider in Australia's history, but Roubaix changed that. Um, and had he not won Roubaix, he would have been one of those riders who was just thought of as a fantastic uh, guy to have on the team. But uh, it was it was awesome to see him win a race uh, of that st- stature
2: and his story has been retold many times but basically it is he broke his arm six weeks out from roubaix uh he was told he would be off the bike um he then turned to indoor training to try and get himself right he ended up getting on zwift which at the time wasn't very popular but because he rode zwift for six weeks managed to get himself fit enough or keep himself fit enough um, to ride roubaix he he turned up um, and he won, and it was just a miraculous victory and an absolutely incredible and inspiring story. And um, Swift kind of blew up after that because yeah, everyone's of going, course, yeah. Swift was the difference. Um, but, yep. you know, as he kind of says in the podcast, we'll let you hear it.
1: But he yeah. talks about um, yep.
2: how he went through that period.
1: And look, uh, you know, Leaning on others for help during uh, periods when, like, his handicap was a broken arm. Um, Our handicap now is we're not allowed outside. Mm. Uh, The similarities are, you know, it's still a restriction to, and how do you deal with that? And uh, through dealing with his coach, his coach, uh, Matt, talks about openly saying he really helped him through this period, got him motivated, um, gave him structure um, and gave him confidence that his form was fantastic and come race day, he raced the, the race of his career. And uh, yeah, it's, it's well worth a listen.
2: So on that note, if you personally do want some help in this period with some training, uh, we, we train to hopefully race. Obviously, there's no races at the moment, but there will be races in the future. If you want some help with a training plan in this period, you can go to the link in our show notes in the description and we can help you out with a training plan. But without further ado, uh, we're introducing the legend Matt Heyman uh, on the line. All right, we're super excited to have the legendary Matthew Heyman on the line. Matt, thanks for joining us. You are currently isolated at home in Belgium, is that correct?
0: Yeah, yep. Uh, we've been locked down just coming up to about three weeks here now, so um, two weeks by the end of the week. Um, still allowed to go outside here, unlike some of the European countries, but... Um, for, for short walks or, or, or trips uh, up, uh, around the local streets with the kids. You can still get out every now and again. And uh, feeling pretty fortunate to have a backyard with three kids in the house. Yeah, definitely. Are you
2: allowed to ride the bike at the moment? Outdoors? Uh, you are.
0: Um, but to be honest, uh, i spent a lot of my time, uh, you know, working with the team on the Zwift events, and, and yeah. I've just kept it to indoors. I've gone for a couple of jogs, uh, outside, but, um, yeah, it was a bit of a backlash. Uh, I think when it first started and and like most countries, um, a few people saw it as an opportunity to get out and get some planning done because, uh, they had been, you know, told to go home from work and there was quite a big bunches out. Um, but that's definitely changed. It was, it didn't take long for people to realize that that, that wasn't the idea to go, um, for big, long rides. And, and yeah, you can ride, um, by yourself or in a group of two. And, um, I think a lot of people are respecting that now.
1: Great. And that's very similar to what the situation is here as well. Well, um, that leads to the first question. So, you know, you're involved with uh, Mitchelton Scott as the director of Sportive. Um, how hands-on yep. are you with the guys uh, at the moment?
0: Yeah, look, um, we, we've we had a couple of meetings uh, from, from the director's side about what we were going to do and... and I guess the goalposts just kind of kept changing. Yeah. We weren't sure what this what this was all gonna entail and um, you know, this starting for people in Italy longer than three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Um, probably almost six weeks ago now. Um and yeah, you're going off, you know, reports and what we're seeing coming out of China and we're not sure how long how long this is gonna go on for. So yeah, originally the conversations were about, you know, moving goals and, and reorganizing a program. And, and now, um, you know, with more and more races getting called off, um, it's more about, uh, the rider's health and wellbeing, um, you know, making sure that, uh, people are able to, you know, also train to, to stay, um, emotionally stable, um, in a difficult period. I mean, I know none of the guys are going to, um, you know, uh, overestimate what this means compared with, you know, they're all mm. happy to be inside, um, in a country where, where people are dying out there and they're not going to, you know, put their, their cycling performances above yep. the country's wellbeing. Um, but you know, it's also like it is for anybody who's running a business. Um, there's loss there, you know, they've had, had goals taken away and, and, and their whole, whole world is being turned upside down and they're confined to their apartments at the moment um, yeah. some of them and you look, only you, being allowed out to, to go shopping you know, yeah.
1: mm. look you've you've probably had that experience back when you actually won uh, the Roubaix race um, where you were hindered through injury and now the guys are hindered through the virus to maintain their fitness, yep. um, and they're probably yep. had a great uh, winter's training at altitude, just like you probably did, and came into this period where they're meant to be racing with probably great form. Um, and and what, yeah. what what are you sort of saying? To, what are you doing? You've had to go through this to motivate yourself to, to prepare yeah. for Roubaix. What are you saying to the guys about, look, there will be a, an end to this, so you need to have good form and it's important? Um, how are you motivating the
0: guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's, there's kind of twofold. It's, it's um, you know, look, we, we all know the kind of rules and that, that you know, and definitely professional athletes, they, they like structure and they like to be goal orientated. And at the moment, the goals have been taken away. So let's just try and replace that with some structure. Yep. Um, you know, uh, making sure they they're getting up in the morning and, and, and getting dressed as if it was a normal day. Um, some of these events on Zwift and keeping training. At at, at the moment, it's more um, a mental side rather than trying to keep that top form because to try and keep that top form at the moment, um, you know, before we see any of these rules relaxed and before we go back into racing, I don't think um, racing is going to be sprung on anybody. There'll be a period where they'll be able to train. Um, So... Um, and I think, you know, to start with, a lot of people, uh, just didn't want to see the bike, which is the first reaction and something that I went through. Um, there's there's pain about it all being taken away. And then, um, and then there's quite a roller coaster and it's really just, you know, kind of accept the bad days and, and, and don't be too hard on yourself if you're, if you're struggling for motivation. Um, and know that it will swing around and, and then, yeah, just use those good days. Um, you know, obviously, if there's too many bad days in a row, then you've got to look at look at the situation and, and um, you know, maybe reach out, reach out to your coach, reach out to your directors on the team and, and talk to them about what you're going through. But, but a day where you don't feel like doing anything, that happens. That happens a lot. Um, yeah. It happens to, to everybody in all walks of life. And don't beat yourself up too much if you can't, you know, finish the training session. But then I think there's a lot of athletes that are, are looking for some structure in their day and, mm. and talking to their coaches about keeping the structure because it, it helps them be, you know, um, you know more level-headed and, and, and keep morale up um, because essentially they're all bike riders and, and that's what, you know, they identify with and that's what they want to be doing. So having some structure there, I, I saw a couple of days ago that one of the coaches had all his athletes on Zwift at once and they were racing each other around mm. and, and I'm sure that's not for the actual training benefit of mm. racing each other. That's for for the interaction with each other, um, yeah. And and just kind of keeping keeping sane during this period. And and yeah, of course they don't want to let themselves go totally, but I mean, they're professional athletes yep. as well.
1: You, know. are you are you doing some groups with war- rides with the with the boys?
0: Yeah. Look, we've got some different ones. We've got uh, we reduced it from our original program. Um, uh, so now in the weekend, we do one in the morning uh, in Europe, and uh, which will get people in Australia. And then another one on, on Sunday evening, which is more for the South American and the American uh, yeah. group of people. But yeah, there's some other guys inviting us along for different. I mean, I guess the guys are finding out the different aspects, whether it's um, group workouts or just rides or... Um, and, and guys are doing some meeting up and, and, and using the chat function on there to, to talk with each other. Even if they're in, in the same city, they haven't seen each other for two or three weeks. Yeah. And as we know, the, the sport can be pretty social as far as uh, it's not just about riding. There's yeah. often coffee shop stops and those kinds of things, and, and that's a big part of the sport and it's a big part of why people enjoy cycling so much. And when that's taken away, um, yeah, just sitting on the ergo isn't as much fun as... as mm. You know, you, you're normally doing that so you can go out and, and, and ride with your mates on the weekend and, and enjoy that yeah, coffee.
1: Yeah. Uh, do a lot of the guys have individual coaches in in the team?
0: Uh, we've got three main coaches um, on the team who, who cover the guys, even if they do have individual coaches. Oh, okay. um, they generally fall under one of our main coaches who will just keep an eye on that person, So even if they are. Yep. Um, so everybody is covered by, by one of our in-house uh, coaches. Um, um, and I think most of the guys use, use our, our own trainers. Um, so we've been in touch with them as, as directors. Um, they're normally the first, uh, first contact for the riders. Um, and then, and then as directors, we're, we're more, well, we were more race day, but, uh, you know, we've had to change that a little bit and, and be in touch with the riders, just how they're going. And, you know, we've got, we've got guys that are 21 years old. Mm. Um, you know just just sign their first professional contract yeah. right through to guys who were looking to retire in a, in a few months and have three kids at home mm. so you've really got to you know look at all of those people um, differently and, and their personalities as well about what kind of support they need through a period like this
1: Yeah your role as a coach is really being tested now you've got to actually um, when the main uh, enjoyment factor which is the race is taken away from them you've got to Kind of get them um, motivated a different way, really, don't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, and like I said, the goal—just not knowing where that goal is—I mean, mm. I think we all work really well when you when you yep. set that goal, and yep. and um, so there's the original kind of loss and, and almost grief, I guess, of of having everything ripped away. Yep. Um, but then also now the uncertainty, which which is not something that we deal with very well as as humans. Um, of not knowing when, when that next next yeah. one is. So I think, yeah, as the coaches just, you know, taking away some uncertainty and and, and, and maybe replacing those goals with, they're not necessarily races, but, but what is our goal at the moment? What are we trying to achieve with our training? Um, it, it might not be race fitness. It might not be uh, this event. But what we're trying to achieve is a certain level of something to, once yeah. we get to a certain point in time, we can... We can up, capitalise yeah. on what we've done, and yeah. and a lot of athletes have also used this um, as a period to to address some some weaknesses, whether that's um, whether study or core stability, or yeah. you know injuries, niggles that have been going on, and and now you do have time to to yeah. do that rehab properly. There's you one might have left bit. because you yeah because you might have you know been doing 25 hour week training and. And, and you don't really want to do those ankle exercises or those little stretches. Um, and now you have that time to, to actually really hone down and, and maybe, you know, go back to basics on some of those uh, niggles that might have been carrying as an athlete for years and uh, never really worked on properly,
2: mm. You just, you just touched on then about the fact that this is more of an uncertain period. We don't know exactly when this period is going to end. I mean, your story yourself is legendary when you did break your arm and then came back from that to win mm-hmm. Roubaix. Um, but I guess yeah, on that, you knew that you you're only out for four to six weeks with your arm. There was a certain period to come back. But you even touched on before, and I've heard you speak previously about the fact that you weren't motivated at the start. You know, you didn't want to see the bike. What actually changed for you? Was it yep. having having that certainty that you were going to get to a back, back to a race eventually, or what was it?
0: Yeah, no, don't be uh, disillusioned there that I uh, thought I was going to be back for Roubaix. That was never mm. certain. Um, so that whole period, that four weeks, I was uncertain the whole time. Yeah. So I think people might assume that um, I knew I was going to start Roubaix, and mm, good point. I just knuckled down on a training program to train for Roubaix, yes. You know that was a goal, um, but there was no certainty I was going to make it. Uh, and and like I said, that roller coaster of emotions happened. There were days when I when I didn't touch the bike. Um, there were days when I'd get through a session, but it was just on, um, you know, really just picking it off. And 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 then I'd go, you know, vividly remember walking into the kitchen and talking to my wife and just asking, "What the hell am I doing? Why did I just do you know, a double session with a whole bunch of?" Uh, I don't know, threshold efforts. Yep. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to be racing, you know, or what am I, what am I doing? Um, so, yeah, yeah, it, it, that, um, I think, yeah, maybe people get the wrong idea that, yep. that I was super focused and knew exactly what I was going to do and, and I knuckled down and, and the goal was always Roubaix. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth I, I had the goal in, the, in my head I wanted to stay fit I'd done a lot of training and I didn't want to let it all go but mm. there was a lot of uncertainty and, and and some days I was super motivated and, and uh, the motivation was just staying fit and, and doing doing you know my sport as best I could and other days it was um, you know what what the hell am I doing and, and it wasn't until I got closer and closer to to Roubaix that it started to kind of um, realize that I had a proper chance to do it so yeah um, yeah I think that's where I go back to we're not sure and and some days you just have to be easy on yourself and and um, you know I definitely had a lot of contact with my coach during that period um Kevin Poulton and and he was the one that was you know after doing a few of those sessions, realised that I was, you know, holding my form and, and the training was going well. Um, and he kept reiterating to me that, uh, you know, and, and then he his kind of attitude changed and he started to really focus on rube And I guess towards the end, he was the one that was the driving force there yeah. um, <clears throat> and, and giving me a lot of motivation to, to say that, you know, my form was... You know, I had held it through yep.
1: that whole period. Yeah, that's great for our yeah. listeners. Uh, the you know all of the people in our coaching business to hear you know that you have vulnerability and and you have weak days. It's really fantastic because that's what exactly they're going through right now, and they're just everyday cyclists, everyday triathletes, um, age groupers who yeah, but absolutely love it.
0: But yeah. but it's important to them, I guess. You know, and it mm. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's very important to people, and they've put a lot of hard work into. Yep. To getting to this level and and to have it all change, um, and I think you know if you can find that rhythm. And and I don't want to be too negative that every day I was, was battling. There were <laughs> days that I I really enjoyed riding, and and there's a real sense of achievement of getting through sessions and ticking them off, even if you're not sure of what the future is. Mm. Um, and and we know the we know the health benefits and the mental health benefits of, yep. of exercise. And I think when you are having those slumps, um, sometimes the best thing is to drag yourself onto the bike and, and, and you might, you know, unwillingly get on the bike and realize, you know, halfway through the session that, that a lot of that was just in your head and you actually got good form and, and you perform a really good session. So there is a real fine balance between, you know, wallowing in your own misery and actually just pushing yourself a little bit to, to, to start the session. Um, you Know and 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 I guess that's something that athletes will just you know have to grapple with and, and talk with a coach um, a lot about. Uh, and and you do that all through your career, yeah. Um, you know, when there's a moment to push and when the moment to just say, Well, you know, it's just not happening at the moment. But um, yeah, I, you do feel so much better once you've done a session, and, and, don't you? and, and yep. even yep. if you don't hit absolutely everything, you yep. know, you just you know, we know, we know in a period like this, having some structure. Um, doing your sessions, even if you're not hitting the numbers you want to, you're going to feel better. You're going to be a better person for it. So yeah, it's a I'll great point. I just encourage that. And, and yeah, and I think, you know, my wife and I, we've got three kids at home and we really try and make space for each other to exercise every day because we just know we're better parents when we when we do that. Mm.
1: It's, uh, it's so interesting. Exactly what you just said. Uh, I was... Uh, just doing a session prior to the interview, and I was listening to a podcast that you were doing with Matt Keenan, and I was doing, you know, just some intervals, uh, some threshold intervals, and I was struggling yeah. a bit. And the more I was listening to you and Matt talking about your your race, you know, sections in the race, it got me pedaling better yeah. and better. And and <laughs> I got off the bike, and I just felt so satisfied. And that feeling is important for for all of the people understand that that is an outcome of um of why we train because we get that really endorphin rush um from a successful um event that we've completed in a very unsuccessful day probably
0: yeah no no and 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 yeah it's it's hard sometimes to to do it and it's you know and and i'm I'm lucky that my wife. Motivated in that way, and, and sometimes looks at me and just says, you know, just get on there, just don't think about it, you know, get up <laughs> yeah. and do it because she knows I'll be a better person afterwards. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> whether that's your partner, your wife, or yep. or uh, or a coach or somebody, um, there are times when when it when when you do need to just give yourself a break and not be too hard on yourself. But um, the majority of the times, if you just just kind of start the session, um, you find you get you work your way into it. And, um, you know, just uh, sometimes, just don't think. Um, just put the kid on and and, yeah. and and start moving because you start feeling better. And you know, sometimes we even try it with the kids. Uh, doesn't even doesn't always work, but uh, uh, just try and get them moving. Uh, and, and often their
2: mood will change. Yeah, absolutely. So on that on that note, you say that you um, didn't have uh, the clear expectations that you would make Ruby. What were based on that, what were your genuine expectations when you decided you were going to race uh, after having so much time off the bike? What did you I mean you've performed well there previously, you'd had two top ten finishes. Um, but going into the race, yeah. what were your genuine expectations of yourself?
0: Um, again, Kevin, Kevin, my coach, was, was really excited about where my form was at. Um, he wrote me an email the night before the race and, and, and said you should be you should be confident where you're at and your numbers are really good. But, you know, as an athlete, I hadn't raced all these guys. I'd missed all the races mm. that, you know, I thought you needed to do to, to be prepared and to be on top of your game. Um, so lack of confidence. I mean, there was, you know, I was you know, not going in with putting the pressure on myself that i had in other years to, to perform on that day. Yeah. Um, but the flip side was, you know, I was, I'm really passionate about that race yeah. and mm. to have that kind of come together, the excitement for me was, was new. It was like I was going back to that race as, as a young kid again and, mm. and, and getting an opportunity that I didn't think I had. So it was yeah. more about that excitement Um wow, look, look, I'm actually here and I'm going to get a chance to ride, um, which, yeah. which came through. And I think in the years previously, it had been a bit more, um, I'm here. Um, it has to happen today. I've, I've put so much effort, you know, this is the one day that I kind of have to yeah. have to, you know, really ride for myself and get a result. Um, so yeah, just probably more excitement and, 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 and just being happy at being back in event. I, I, you know really love and passionate about yeah, um and i've taken that pressure off yeah. myself of getting a result yeah
1: that that's a really important point of, about releasing pressure um and you perform so much better and you've you've sort of um, yeah you've shown that in that race you had nothing to lose in that race whereas sargon cancelara boone and van mark Bear, yeah. they they had to win that their expectation from their team was they had to win and and you can go into the race going well um Durbridge is our man and um, and yeah. you know, I'm I'm here but I'm I'm still a chance, I suppose, without any expectation.
0: Yeah, and I mean even even in other years going in there and only riding for, you know, potentially I, I wasn't ever a canceller or a boner where where I had that expectation. I mean, but I was putting it on myself yeah. um, in other years. I was going in with, you know, I have to show something on this day, and, and yeah. I, you know, I'm, I was being super critical of every mistake I made, and yeah. and um, it was just a different way of riding. Um, I was just there because I because I I loved to race, and I had an opportunity that uh, yeah. that I thought had been taken away from me. So, yeah, it was it was a really liberating way to ride.
1: So, could we say your coach did a great job? You had doubt about the endurance you had from just riding Zwift Um, but he managed to to get your mindset probably better to give you the confidence that you did have the numbers that said you could ride well so how much does the mindset of a pro cyclist relate to the result in your opinion?
0: Yeah look I mean I think you'll find all the professional athletes although they they might look like they're they're ten men and they're super strong on television or or um, you know, they, they have the normal doubts that anybody has. Um and, you know, uh yeah, I didn't go in there with the confidence um of having results in the previous weeks, which which would yeah. be a normal way to go into Roubaix. Um and in some ways, you know, it was the fifteen years of experience as well that uh that told that you know, I was able to use all that yeah, experience definitely. to yep. position myself well, and and to know. Um, but I'm, I'll admit too that that all the way through till the end of the race, um, the distance was something that I, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't believe how good I was feeling, but was worried that that uh, I hadn't done that work and I hadn't done what, you know, you thought was necessary to to win that race. That you needed to ride Flanders 260k the week before, yeah. and I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole way through the race, I was kind of, you know, a little bit uh, hesitant about about when uh, when the wheels were going to fall off or, or when it was all going to come crumbling down, and it and it never actually did. Um, In
1: fact, but maybe attacked, that was you also, attacked the breakaway at yeah. the eighty k mark, I think. Yeah,
0: well, that was uh, maybe a, a little bit uh, a little bit silly, a little bit too it got a little bit too excited there. Um, I think it's still about eighty k to go. Yeah. Um, But no, I was was very aware that, I mean, maybe that was also a point in the race where I was still just happy to be in the breakaway and and to be out the front having a great day. And um, at that point, the win wasn't even really on the cards. Um, But coming towards the final, you know, I was still, in 2011, when I had another good ride there, I I kind of opened up too early, got too excited, and through that experience, um, put in the same situation again. I, I remembered that you know I I need to keep a lid on this, and even yeah. if I feel good, it is a long way. <laughs> and knowing that I hadn't had the distance in my legs, really yeah. tried to keep everything under wraps, that just kind of helps, waiting, yeah. almost. Yeah, and it and it did. You know that that just you know making sure I didn't never went too deep, and, and I obviously yeah. had that in, in a little bit left in the tank in the final.
1: Yeah, and uh, you've just talked about a, a point that I w- I'd like to ask you about, which is having the a completely different preparation as to a normal pro would have done Flanders the week before and um, Dwarves Vlanderen and a whole lot of other races uh, leading yeah. up to it. You really only did a couple of one-day races, one in Spain, I think, and, and a- another event yeah. somewhere else. It was completely different build-up for you. Um, do you think the freshness is what was the standout thing? Oh,
0: yeah, 100%. Um, not just the, the physical freshness, um, but also the mental freshness. So both of those had a big role to play. And, I mean, um, I, I guess when you when you break it down, there aren't that many opportunities in the classics. Um, you know, there's there's... E3 Gent, Wevelgem, Flanders, Roubaix. So, as a rider, you don't want to miss any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do, you do get to Roubaix, and you are um, physically. You're, you know, this is something I've I've brought up with our performance team uh, in yeah. the past. Like, um, we see one or two riders who will gain physically in form, um, and most of the guys will will struggle through that period. Um, and no, don't forget, you're also up in Belgium uh, reconning and riding these races for, for mm. three and a half weeks. So there's a big mental pressure too of, mm. of being in that. And, and often um, you're receiving a kicking most weeks and, <laughs> and you've got to come back and do it again. And by the time you get to Roubaix and line up, um, you know, the riding's generally already on the wall. Mm. Um, so I came in super fresh, um, hadn't hadn't been going through that, you know, five, six hours worth of stress Um you know, constantly in the weeks leading up, um, yep. you know, was new to the, the, the push and shove, but had the experience uh, to know what it was all about. Um, yeah. But, yeah, came in fresh both mentally and physically.
1: And that, that brings to another question is because you had the injury, did you have a feeling of, oh, this has been taken away from me? I really do appreciate what I have an opportunity yeah. when I have it.
0: yeah. No, that, that, it, that was, um, you know, just, and I think we'll, we'll see this when, when the guys get back out and, uh, you yeah. know, you kind of get used to your lifestyle, get used to everything. And, and when somebody takes it away for a little while, um, you start to appreciate a lot more. And I think that, that we'll see that across the community with, with, with everything, uh, not yeah. just with sport. Um, once once these bans and, and restrictions are lifted, um, that people find a new lease on life, and and I definitely had that. And uh, you know where those guys were were looking towards the end of their classics, and and um, you know kind of ticking that box, and then resetting for whatever was coming in the year. I was just just getting started, and yeah. and felt like uh, there were new opportunities. So yeah, it's it's not until it's taken away or um, until you can't do something, and and I think that was one thing. Um, you know that. That my wife has helped me in the past too with uh, with training or motivation. You know, um, when you don't really don't want to do something or, or feel like you don't want to complete the training, and, and you know, she often used to say to me, "Well, well, imagine if you were told you weren't allowed to train today. Mm-hmm. How you would you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of saying you don't want to, um, if somebody tried to take it off you, how would you feel then? And, and it was only when you end up in that situation that you kind of appreciate what
2: you do have absolutely and it turned into one of the most epic stories of australian cycling i think dad and i were talking about the fact that anytime we we bring it up we get goosebumps and i'm sure uh you do too um i mean that backstage video of green edge is just one for the ages it's one of the best videos on youtube i think and um, we'll actually link it again in the show notes for anyone that wants to watch it again it's really a where were you moment and dad um you have a bit of a where were you moment for where you were at that race which um would be yeah very interesting for Matt to hear
1: look I don't want to take away from the interview too much but I, I did mention to Matt when I caught up with him at the Cycling Australia Awards uh, a where was I moment and uh fortunately uh I happened to be out on the course that day and took a few photos of uh, Matt and uh the driver that we had was uh, a uh, a policeman who is in charge of looking after the king. <laughs> so he's a pretty talented driver, but yep. boy, can he drive fast! And we went probably two or three, <laughs> two or three sections, ran, took a photo, ran back to the car, and he r- drove the car at a million miles an hour, got us back to the velodrome um, about five k before you got there. Um, boy, you guys ride fast because we were driving very fast to get from <laughs> wherever we were. Um, and in the velodrome, obviously, having Tom Boonen come in and, you know, he's going for the record and um, there's Sepp van Mark, another Belgium, and Stannard and Bosenhagen and yourself and, you know, everybody's expecting Tom Boonen to win and and uh, you come round to the finish line and, of course, he doesn't and you win and the crowd were a little bit, silent except for the three of us <laughs> just jumping up and down just hugging each other and it was uh, one of those days that i'll never ever forget um so thanks manny for providing that but uh yeah
0: yeah um yeah it, it uh it never fails to amaze me that uh you know i've a lot of this as an athlete you're pretty self-centered and, and you're pretty focused and a lot of what I did was because I wanted to race and I wanted to, to be a rider and, and to turn pro. Um, but since that victory, going back to Australia and, and having people talk about how you inspired people, I mean, yeah. it's been a pretty nice byproduct product of, of, of something that, um, you know, that was never really my intention, but, um, you know, it's pretty moving every time you hear somebody or or you get uh, tagged in photos with people with, with injuries on the home trainer trying to, trying yeah. to come back and... To inspire somebody i mean that's uh you know that that's bigger if i can change somebody's life yeah. through, through that, that victory then
1: definitely that, has pretty, has, pretty has been uh something that's uh been obvious to me and uh, Cadell and yourself have had two uh life-changing experiences as an australian in in a, a cycling world that's full of champion europeans and uh you know there's probably three iconic australians there's probably a few more, but uh, Phil Anderson and Cadell and yourself have really forged a path in in, in uh, setting a standard, and you know O'Grady and There's many others that have done a, a great job, but that really inspires a lot of uh, Australians to get out and ride their bikes, and and that's pretty much uh, from our point of view uh, and our listeners. It's really important that uh, that they get to hear um, some success from from the pros, and it, it really rubs off on them.
0: No, well, and I think in this tough period and what we've touched on today, it's, um, you know, the benefits of of, of, uh, of riding, of exercising, and especially in this period where, where everybody's feeling it. And I think, you know, um, the stress levels on everybody is pretty high. The uncertainty is there, whether it's, you know, about your job, your family, uh, or your next event, um, that, uh, you know, that we, we support each other. And, and obviously with a coaching group, um, that support has to be there, but then also, um, just, you know, just making that effort to, to move and, and, and you do feel better afterwards. And I think uh, for everybody's mental health is probably the first thing that we need to worry about. Yeah. and then getting back to peak fitness will come in time.
2: Yeah, your advice has been absolutely spot on. I didn't expect you to say that the pros are you really, you know, um, taking care of their mental health and well-being first, which is obvious. That's what we should be doing. I was expecting, you know, you to say they're on a really strict program. So it's really valuable for all our listeners to hear that and just take the pressure off ourselves a bit and say you don't have to be perfect. The motivation is going to be low. It's a hard period, but we can really get through it. So um, thanks very much for your time, Matt. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, It's been unreal to hear from you. And we love your story. A finishing question we really like our guests to answer is, um, it doesn't have to be on the topic of what we've just spoken about, but what is the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months that you could pass on to others? It can be life, sport, family, or anything you want.
0: Oh, biggest lesson I've learned in the last... Um, I guess transitioning from uh, being a rider to being a director. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I uh, there's quite a lot more things uh, involved in being a director than just sitting in the same car and, and, <laughs> and talking through the tactics. Um, and I guess... Um, you know, I got to the end of the season, I evaluated it and I, and I probably wanted to try and connect more with the guys um, in, instead of, you know, spending more time looking at uh, files or looking at uh, data, yeah. um, looking at race books, um, you know, just more, more connection with the with the athletes themselves and I think that's probably more powerful than, than knowing the left-hand corner or, or yeah. the gradient of a certain kind. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially yep. in this period, that connection is going to be key. Yep. So, no, thank you very much, yep. Matt. We really appreciate your time and no worries. thanks again for joining us.
1: I uh, really appreciate it, Matt. It's uh, been no fantastic worries. and uh, lo- looking forward to seeing how, how your, uh, your new role as, uh, as one of the head people at and uh, Scott goes and uh, hopefully we get to see that sooner rather than later.
0: Okay, thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, to all your athletes, stay safe, look after each other, and uh, I'm sure we'll be back out racing soon. Unreal. Thanks, Matt. Cheers.